1: and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Superior Plus 2020 fourth quarter and four-year results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star then one on your telephone keypad. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Rob Duran. Sir, please begin. Thank you, Howard.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Superior Plus' conference call and webcast to review our 2020 annual and fourth quarter results. Our speakers on the call today are Luc Desjardins, President and CEO, and Beth Summers, Executive VP and CFO. Darren Rebar, Senior VP and Chief Legal Counsel, is also joining today's call. This call is being webcast, and we encourage listeners to follow along with the supporting presentation, which is also available on our website. For this morning's call, Luke and Beth will begin with their prepared remarks and then we will open up the call for questions. Before I turn the call to Luke, I'd like to remind you that some of the comments made today may be forward-looking in nature and are based on Superior's current expectations, estimates, judgments, projections, and risks. Further, some of the information provided refers to non-GAAP measures. Please refer to Superior's annual MD&A posted on CDAR and Superior's website yesterday for further details on forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. I would encourage listeners to review the MD&A as it includes more details on the financial information for 2020 and the fourth quarter as we won't be going over each financial metric on today's call. This will allow us to move more quickly into the question and answer period. I'll now turn the call over to Lucas.
3: Well, thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining the call. We hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. I'd like first to take a moment to thank our employees for their exceptional effort this past year, working in the field, delivering fuel to our customer, working in our chemical plants, and those working remotely supporting our operation. We have performed well, even in the face of tremendous adversity, and I appreciate your hard work and dedication. Our modified business practice continue with the health and safety of our employees, our customers, local communities, and our first priority. As our propane distribution and specialty chemical businesses, we're considered essential and critical service and infrastructure in all of the province, territory, and state in which we operate, in the US, Canada, and Chile. We have continued to service our customers that have been classified as essential. We announced the sale of specialty chemical business to Birchill yesterday which represents the final stage to our trans- transition to a pure-play energy distribution company. The purchase price of $725 million represents a multiple of eight times on specialty chemicals for 2020 pre-RFRS-16, EBITDA was a $91 million for the Erco business this year. Through the structure of the deal and the purchase price adjustment mechanism, Superior also continue to potentially benefit when the chlorite align market recovers, also the chlorate, in, uh, over the next three years. <clears throat> the proceeds from the sale specialty chemical will improve our financial flexibility and allow us to accelerate our growth through acquisition strategy. We have demonstrated many times that we can execute on acquisition and integrate the newly acquired businesses into our operating platform quickly, enabling us to extract cost saving and synergies. Following the success of our 2020 acquisition, with over 285 million in acquisition, we anticipate more than doubling the US per EBITDA over the next five years through acquisition, organic growth and cost saving initiative actually when we think of five years in my mind it will come faster more recently in the fourth quarter we completed two retail propane acquisitions one in the southern california one in north carolina we have already made three more acquisitions including two in canada in 2020 we completed five retail propane distribution acquisition for a total consideration of 286.7 million The investment from Brookfield in July provided capital for us to reduce our debt and quickly reinvest in propane acquisition. We continue to see a larger number of acquisition opportunities ranging in size in the Eastern U.S. and in California. We have improved the business we have acquired of at least 25% using a superior way operating platform and implementing our modern procurement sales and marketing initiative Including our industry-leading digital service offering, Superior is one of the leading North America retail propane acquirers, and we are earning a reputation as the buyer of choice for many prospect sellers in this industry. Turning to operational financial results, overall, I'm pleased that our fourth quarter and full-year results we achieved the midpoint of our 2020 adjusted EBITDA guidance, despite challenge of the COVID-19. Significantly warmer weather in the first quarter, reduced drilling activity in North America, and modestly warmer weather in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter adjusted EBITDA of $169.8 million was 4% lower than the prior year quarter, primarily due to the decrease in EBITDA from operation. The full year 2020 adjusted EBITDA of $495.9 million which was 6% lower than 2020 uh, primarily due to the dec- in 2020, primarily due to the decrease in EBITDA from operation. Fourth quarter EBITDA from operation was 171.7 million, a 16.1 million decrease over the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower results from specialty chemical and Canadian propane, partially upset by our result in the U.S. propane business. The full year 2020 Beda operation was 518.4 million, a 43 million uh, decrease from the prior year due to impact of COVID-19 and our business partially upset by incremental contribution from acquisition in the U.S. for pain business. We expect the public health measure in place to reduce the spread of COVID to have an impact on our business in 2021 until the vaccine is widely distributed in u.s and in canada due to these measures, our commercial customer are operating at very much lower capacity and operating rate and we have taken action to right size our business for the lower expected sales volume for the first nine months of the year we are however well positioned to service our customer once demand recover we will emerge from the pandemic as much stronger with a better cost structure, company and organization poised for the significant growth and increased shareholder value. The sale of specialty chemical business is expected to provide more liquidity for us. The accelerated our strategy of growth through accretive acquisition primarily, due, uh, primarily in the U.S. propane market. We are optimistic the economy recovery will take place. We figure in our forecast in Canada late 2021 and probably back to normal in commercial-industrial in 2022. But in the U.S. business, uh, uh, immediately because we're more retail, consumer-oriented in the state, when it's Canada, as you know, our mix is big in industrial-commercial as well as retail. However, we have a resilient business and we expect to generate strong free cash flow even in this challenging environment. And now I'll turn the call over to Beth to discuss the financial results of our 2021 and our 2021 guidance. Now Beth, up you. to you.
4: Thank you, Luke. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, looking at the financial highlights for the fourth quarter in full year 2020, the fourth quarter adjusted EBITDA was $169.8 million, which was $6.9 million lower than the prior year quarter, primarily due to a decrease in EBITDA from operations partially offset by a decrease in corporate costs and a realized gain on foreign currency hedging contracts compared to a loss in the prior year quarter. The full year 2020 adjusted EBITDA was $495.9 million, which was $28.6 million lower than 2019. This was primarily due to a decrease in EBITDA from operations, partially offset by a decrease in corporate costs and realized losses on foreign currency hedging contracts. Fourth quarter AOCF before transaction and other costs per share was $0. 71 cents per share, a decrease of $0. 12 cents compared to the prior year quarter due to lower adjusted EBITDA and higher weighted average shares outstanding, partially offset by lower interest expense and cash taxes. Weighted average shares outstanding increased due to the treatment of the preferred shares on an as-converted basis and the impact of additional shares issued under the DRIP in early 2020. Interest expense decreased due to the lower average debt levels and lower interest rates on variable rate debt. AOCS before transaction and other costs per share for 2020 was $2.04 per share, 28 cents lower than the prior year due to a decrease in adjusted EBITDA and an increase in weighted average shares outstanding. This was partially offset by a decrease in interest expense and cash taxes. From a debt and leverage perspective, total debt to adjusted EBITDA as of December 31, 2020 was 3.5 times, which was at the higher end of the range 3 times to 3.5 times, which we provided as guidance, and .2 times lower than the leverage as at December 31, 2019. Turning now to the individual business results. U.S. propane distribution EBITDA from operations for the fourth quarter was 80.4 million, an increase of 2.2 million compared to the prior year quarter. This is primarily due to higher sales volumes related to acquisition and higher average unit margins partially offset by higher operating costs related to the acquisition. Sales volumes increased 25 million liters primarily due to incremental commercial and residential volumes from acquisitions completed in 2020, partially offset by lower commercial distillate volume. Average unit margins were 41.2 cents per liter compared to 40.7 cents per liter in the prior year quarter, primarily due to customer mix, partially offset by the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on U.S. denominated gross profit. Operating costs were higher due to the impact from tuck-in acquisition, partially offset by the execution of cost-saving initiatives and realized synergies from NGL and other acquisitions. The U.S. propane EBITDA from operations in 2020 was 206.9 million, modestly lower than uh, modestly lower than 2019, primarily due to lower sales volumes in the first quarter related to significantly warmer weather, partially offset by the incremental contributions from acquisitions completed in 2020 and 2019, and realized synergies related to the NGL acquisition and other acquisitions. U.S. propane EBITDA from operations in 2021 is anticipated to be higher than 2020, primarily due to the incremental contribution from acquisitions completed in 2020 Increased sales volumes related to the expectation that weather will be consistent with the five-year average, cost-saving initiatives, and realized synergies from acquisitions completed in the past 24 months. Average weather in areas where we operate, as measured by degree days, is anticipated to be consistent with the five-year average. Canadian propane distribution, EBITDA from operations for the fourth quarter, was $65.6 million a $10 million decrease primarily due to lower gross profit, partially offset by lower operating costs. Gross profit decrease compared to the prior year quarter primarily due to lower sales volumes related to reduced drilling activity in Western Canada, the impact of COVID-19 on commercial and industrial customers, and warmer weather, partially offset by higher reseller volumes. Operating costs were lower, primarily due to a decrease in volume-related expenses, the benefit from the wage subsidy subsidy program, and cost savings initiatives. Canadian propane 2020 EBITDA from operations was $195 million, $5.8 million lower than 2019, primarily due to a decrease in gross profit. This was partially offset by a decrease in operating costs. Gross profit decreased primarily due to the drilling, a reduced drilling activity in Western Canada and the impact of COVID-19. Operating costs were lower, primarily due to a decrease in volume related expenses, the benefit of the SEWS program, and cost saving initiatives. Canadian propane distribution EBITDA from operations for 2021 is anticipated to be lower than 2020 as the impact of the SHUES program benefit in 2021 is expected to be significantly lower. Wholesale propane market fundamentals are also expected to be weaker and the impact of COVID-19 is expected to negatively impact commercial and industrial sales volume and commercial sales volumes in Western Canada are expected to be lower, partially offset by lower volume related costs and cost savings initiatives. Average weather in Canada, as measured by degree days, is anticipated to be consistent with the five-year average. Turning now to specialty chemicals. EBITDA from operations for the fourth quarter was $25.7 million, an $8.3 million decrease compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower gross profit, partially offset by lower operating costs. Specialty chemicals 2020 EBITDA from operations was $116.5 million, which was $35.4 million lower than 2020, primarily due to decreased gross profit related to the impact of COVID-19, customer curtailment, and reduced drilling activity, partially offset by a decrease in operating costs. Lastly, to corporate results and the adjusted EBITDA and leverage guidance. Corporate costs in the fourth quarter were $1.7 million lower than the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to a decrease in LTIP expense related to the share price performance. Interest expense was $24.4 million, a decrease of $1.3 million compared to the prior year quarter due to the lower average debt, lower variable interest rates, and the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on U.S. denominated interest debt was lower primarily due to the impact of the proceeds from the Brookfield preferred share investment and the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on US denominated debt this was partially offset by acquisitions completed in the third and fourth quarter in the fourth quarter superior had cash income tax expenses of 0.1 million a decrease of 5.9 million compared to the prior year quarter due to lower provincial taxes and beat taxes in 2020. We are introducing our 2021 adjusted EBITDA guidance range of 370 million to 410 million, which implies a midpoint of 390 million. Based on the midpoint of our 2021 guidance, this represents a 3% increase compared to the 2020 full year pro forma results adjusted for the specialty chemicals EBITDA. When also adjusted for the Hughes benefit, this represents an approximate 10-year increase year over year. The increase is primarily due to higher expected EBITDA from operations, partially offset by higher corporate costs. EBITDA from operations in 2021 is expected to be higher, primarily due to an increase in U.S. propane EBITDA, partially offset by a decrease in Canadian propane EBITDA. The low end of the range accounts for warmer than normal weather, reduced economic activity in western Canada, and delays in the economic recovery. The high end of the range accounts for colder than normal weather, stronger wholesale propane market fundamentals, and increased drilling activity in western Canada. With that, I'll turn the call um, over to Q&A.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or comment at this time, please press star then one on your telephone keypad. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, simply press the pound key. Again, if you have a question or comment at this time, please press star then one on your telephone keypad. Our first question or comment comes from the line of David Newman from Dish Deschardins. Your line is open. Good
3: morning, folks. Congratulations oh, on the sale. Thank you, David.
5: Uh, Just on, just on the sale, um, what do you, is there, what do you, like why now? What do you see in the pipeline? We know there's a big player out there suffering. So any comment, um, uh, just any comment on on the, I guess, near-term pipeline and um, also what might be your targeted spend for M&A in
3: 2021? (laughs) Good question. So, You know how how choppy deals can be and but no doubt uh, we do have a pipeline that we've never seen since we start looking at chemical uh, sale and uh, energy growth Um, we're absolutely excited about this for a couple of reasons the chemical sale we heard that some people thought maybe not at the right full price but Two things come to play. We're gonna have some upside when the chemical return over the next two years after they own it. So not the quarter one this year and not 29, 2020 And then when you look at the pipeline in the state it's really robust. It's uh, there's some mid sized enterprise, there's some small one. As you all know, we don't have in our forecast any acquisition, but we'll make some of course. Uh, Hard to predict, eh, the numbers and the size. We don't, we don't think of the big one unless they happen, so it's not something that we, when we say we'll acquire um, uh, over the next five years, a good growth and to acquisition, we don't take, in consideration, we could do one of the big ones because we never know how that can unfold. So no doubt, if you take the money from the, the proceeds and pay down debt and add some uh, liquid to acquire, and then you buy those companies, the sooner the better, and many of them for sale more than ever, you have a better return than if you sold chemical for more money in three years. <laughs> so it's, it's focus, it's time and energy of everyone to be the best in this industry, which I think from an operation point of view, we have a big edge. I am convinced the deal we're looking at now will improve for at least 25% when we buy them. So you'll end up, you know, paying for bigger mid-sized enterprise, eight and a half, nine, and they'll end up at seven after we put our, our superior way, our sales and marketing pricing approach and our efficiency approach. So why why now? Because uh, the pipeline is big, because we know when we buy them, we're going to improve the bottom line a lot, 25%. And then we uh, now are now a pure play, which I think the market uh, investor, Canada, U.S., we've heard over the years, a ton of investors interested in our game, but didn't like the idea of two legs that are not, have nothing much in common. So there's never a, a best ideal time in the world, but we getting good value. We're getting some potential good upside as the chloracalite market comes back and the chlorate market, you know, in late 2021 and 2022. So we'll be uh, participating in some upside, we hope. You know, we can never predict how much and when, but it's looking good. And we thought for the best of our shareholder, this is how we're going to get to be a, a very different company if you look three years from now.
5: Okay, and yeah, no no doubt uh, like I like the upside because chemicals are gonna take a little while to to recover. Did uh did Brookfield or M and B out of Germany weigh in at all? I'm sure you won't be able to answer that all <laughs> that answer that. But you know, obviously you're now a clean, rateable plant cash flow generator, a pure play, and very attractive to potential strategic or other financial buyers. I mean, um any just any broad comments there, Luke, on that side?
3: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't play at all. Uh, the German company into making this happen. They. They had no say. We chat with them. Uh, I got a call from their CEO and their VP of M and I got a, I guess a month and a half ago, and they did confirm that they were going to get over ten percent. At that time, they, all they could say, and we didn't have any discussion since then, was, we're we have a big enterprise, fourteen billion euro. And we're sold some division, me as a new CEO for two years, he was explaining. And now we're looking at a couple of businesses that we think are really sharp and they know what they're doing and they're the best model in an industry. And we want to take a position in a few of those companies. And we selected Superior as a great opportunity and it's the first one that they invest in. So uh, we we understand they'll they'll take a position. I think it's now 12 and a half or more. Uh, We have no idea after that what their intent is, except they didn't show any intent to go and make an offer for the enterprise. We heard nothing of that sort. Yeah. And Brookfield had a bit more influence because we have a board member. That's with Brookfield absolutely. He liked the play. He was totally pro for it. He likes the growth in the U.S. So there were – as a board member, he was really uh, behind the management to do this, and he was he understood the value, that's what he does for living, and he said, it makes sense. You know, I create more value fast with the energy growth. Okay, perfect, okay. and I just have a couple of
5: little housekeeping ones, if, I don't, if you don't mind, I squeeze them in. No. Um, just corporate costs for this year, I think uh, you said they might be a little higher in 2021. And then the second question is, just on Texas and the winter storms and all that, how it might have impacted logistics volumes and actually differentials between Conway and Edmonton.
3: Yeah, a couple of questions there. I'll uh, pass it to Beth.
4: Um, Sure. So from a corporate cost perspective, I mean, I think the best way to think about them for 2021 is being in a range of, say, sort of 22 to 27 million or the range of 25 million is maybe a good way to think about it. Um, Just sort of round it out there, David.
5: Okay. Um, why why a little bit higher, I guess, is the question. Yeah.
4: Oh, uh, fundamentally it would be linked back um, price expectations from uh, an LSAT perspective. In addition Uh, to that, you would also have um, no wage subsidy being reflected in the numbers. Right. Right? right. So just just those couple. I would I would point to those are the most obvious ones. There's there's other smaller items. Does everybody be aware? You know the insurance market is a little bit more expensive and other items like that as well. But just okay. uh, some smaller ones. Got it. And on the uh,
5: on the Texas weather and all that stuff going on, any differential improvement and things like that, uh, and yeah, so, the logistics uh, volumes and all that.
4: Sure. So so I'm um, just to cover it off. I mean. What we are seeing in the market is that um, the differentials are not as robust, they're they're weaker. Um, We did expect that um, coming into the first quarter from what we saw in 2019 and and 2020, where they were quite robust. Um, What we're seeing now, there's still healthy inventory levels of propane, um, in particular in Canada, but also there's still um, inventory in the U.S. even in light of the colder weather. And from a production perspective, just to put it in order, there's still a fair bit of propane production. Um, You know, on a year-over-year basis, the production levels are are virtually the same. um, And about 20% higher than you would have seen in 2018 or two years ago. So there is a fair bit of production in propane. Now the exports are higher, um, which, you know, overall is, with the cold weather, driving the pricing higher. Um, from, however, with all of this to be said, it's impacting pricing, but from an overall differential perspective, it isn't widening our view of opportunities from a differential perspective.
3: Excellent. No, I'll, I'll add to that, David, your question sure. about the weather in the Midwest. So um, we always do forecast with normal weather, but there's certainly uh, an um, improvement uh, right now because this particular weather in the Midwest is coming east and that's going to be uh, looking good for us, uh, generally speaking, for the quarter one, because we, February and March, I think we'll have good months.
5: And you got easy comms in and 4Q, and, and I, I certainly am
1: glad I'm working from
5: home. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: Thank you very much. Have a great
3: day. Thank, thank you. I care.
1: Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Jacob Bout from CIBC. Your line is open.
3: Good morning. Hi, Jacob.
6: Uh, can you comment on the uh, leverage levels that you're comfortable with uh, now that you're a pure-play energy distribution company? And, and does does has that changed?
4: Uh, yeah. From our perspective, our targets remain the same. Um, we're targeting to be between three and three-and-a-half times while we're um, executing on acquisitions. I mean, of course, if we have a larger acquisition, Um, As we've communicated previously, we're potentially comfortable to go a little bit over the three and a half times, but then have a line of sight to come down through delivered synergies back down within a 24-month period into that range. That hasn't changed.
6: And then when you're looking at um, the U.S. tuck-in market, um, how has COVID changed that? Are are they more or less expensive? And, And maybe just remind us again how we should be looking at it from a multiple perspective, pre-post-Synergy.
3: Yeah, so uh, let's go with the mid-size. Let's not go with the big one. For the moment, Until we'll there's something real in the big uh, there isn't. And so, the mid-size, it's a bit of an opportunity, and we have to be careful about the multiple. If you pay eight and a half to even nine on the mid-size enterprise, like mid-like, 25 to 50 million EBITDA. You end up at two-time turn after we take 18 months. We don't do it in a month or three. No big bang here. And our execution and our superior way platform and all the different piece of the opportunity brings us to eight and a half becoming six and a half or nine becoming seven. So there's no doubt that that's a, a good movie. There's a ton of them and and COVID what's helping a bit and that won't show in the multiple is many of them that uh, we're looking at now have a percentage of their business that's commercial. So that is certainly been affected by the tone in North America propane of about 15% less volume on the commercial industrial side. So if we're looking at acquisition nine time, and right now they're probably equal, uh, or uh, and the retail consumer uh, do better if they have 20-pound cylinder, but those are the two big players, so we're not looking at that. Uh, And then you have uh, an opportunity with those multiple. By 2022, for them and for us in Canada, commercial industrial comes back, those businesses will have a 15 percent lift. Of commercial industrial, and you know in Canada that's why I think our job this year has been extraordinary. We're 75% commercial industrial and 25-30% let's say uh, residential, and 70% all others. When, as our U.S. business uh, is affected less because they're 90-plus uh, percent residential. So a good opportunity, good opportunity to buy because they're a bit are affected somewhat because of commercial.
6: And how long does it take you to realize those synergies?
3: Uh, We usually do it in two summers. uh, Depending of size and GL, it was two summers. So we don't touch the winter. And then we get going in the summer to install more sensors, to organize our system. And then if we're not finished, by October we stop and then we wait for the following year. It takes two summers uh, for a larger one small one we could do in one summer.
6: Okay. And, and just, just to circle back. So, so COVID really has, has really had no impact on, uh, what you're paying for these tokens?
3: No, we'll pay the same, we'll pay the same multiple, but they probably could do more EBITDA when the full COVID disappears. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. All right.
1: Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Ben Sayerson from Scotia Bank. Your line is open.
7: Okay. Hi, this is Ziad from Scotia Bank. Thanks for taking my Hello. question and congrats on the – Hello? Yep. Hi.
4: Hi,
7: yes, this is Ziad on for Ben. Uh, thanks for taking my question and congrats on the uh, – I just wanted to get a little bit more granular on, you know, the M&A opportunities and the pipeline you're seeing to the extent that you're able to yep. share it. I'm just trying to understand that opportunity set – In that pipeline, is there maybe more of a strategy to target larger? I know in the past you've said you've been agnostic based on the best opportunity available. But with the balance sheet power you now have, is there maybe a a desire to go for something larger or are you still going to continue to focus on the smaller space? And then just as a small follow-up, is there maybe any regional focus within the U.S. that you have in mind?
3: Yeah, our regional focus for the moment, who knows in three years, is all the East Coast. Uh, and then all the west coast, California primary, but we could go a bit east of uh, California, and we could go of course north of California. Those are the two great markets so why the uh, what we can touch and feel and do, and we feel comfortable about is doing midsize and small one because they become available, and we're the primary buyer for many reasons first there's a lot of respect for how we did all the deal we did how we deal the employees how we do the health and safety and we have a reputation now after all these years that we have an edge on buying the most people we do, we talk with they would rather sell to us because of our position our way to do things and so we have a bit of an edge the large one not that we're not considering them it's just there's only three mid-size let's say 25 to 50 million we're all over that if we can do those uh small of course we can add small one and we pay less of course and we integrate them in a region where we are already a small one but the large one we just understand them we know where they're at we know what we could do with their business if we were the acquirer and it's again at least 25 percent better but we don't go there because they're not for sale and uh, when there an event has to happen and if it was that an event would happen, we would certainly look at it. But we don't we usually execute everything we promise and we, we do usually we did for many all these years. So when we think of a big one and we're not in control of that and we don't know when and how, we just we just become built a file, understand it, then we know mid size and small are available, we just go for those.
6: That's very
7: helpful, thank you, and congrats again.
1: Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Steve Hansen from Raymond James. Your line is open.
6: Hey. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, again, congrats Hi, on the Steve. sale. I um, just wanted to dig into the guide a bit, uh, Luke or Beth. Um, it sounds mm-hmm. like Canada is one of the sources of the drag in the guidance. I'm, I'm just trying to understand it a bit in the context of you know, weather seems colder thus far. EMP activity is on the rise, uh, along with oil. And, and we should be lapping some of the COVID comps here fairly yeah. quickly. So I'm just trying to get a sense for how much of the drag is related to the the subsidies going away. I'm just trying to maybe better color on that would be great. Thanks.
3: Yeah, I'll start and Beth can add about the, the uh, subsidies. So no doubt we're... Uh, you've seen our history. We're not the type to not execute on what we promise. It's been hard for us to forecast 2021 in Canada more than the States, and we are predicting that for nine months, business as usual, no gain, commercial, industrial, no comeback. We hope we're wrong, <laughs> but the way we see the vaccine in Canada, the way we see the uh, the, the, the security that government brings them to stay home, which they should, I guess, we say, hey, we, we don't know. So we know it's not the next three, four, five, six months. So why don't we just think of quarter four, probably somewhat better. And then 2022, watch out, we're coming back.
6: Okay, that's helpful. I, I
4: was gonna say in, in here, I mean, just adding to that, from, a, from an overall or a high level, the um, no wage subsidy but still facing the headwinds associated with COVID for, for the portion of the year is your primary driver.
6: Yeah, okay. No, well, I appreciate that. Um, right. Just a follow-up, if I may, is just, Luke, really, really wanted to think about the synergy targets a little bit as you really start to focus on yep. the U.S acquisition yep. side. Of, you know, what is it that gives you so much confidence in your ability to extract synergies? I, I know you're going to say history, but when you when you look at the when you look at the targets you're discussing or even the one you've described yep. recently, um, is is it just the operational aspect of it all? Is it the technology that you bring to it? Can you just give us a bit more, you know, specifics around why you're so confident you can get the synergies?
3: Yeah. So I call it the three buckets. <clears throat> so we start The industry is not extremely sophisticated, and that gives us an advantage. So we say, how does the telecom, how does other industry do their sales and marketing? So we develop and spend money uh, still uh, in sales and marketing. So we have professionals that can go to an industrial customer, a commercial customer, understand properly how they, they will use the energy, and we help them more than just saying we have propane for sale. We're not selling a propane commodity, we'll organize it for you. And I always use the example of uh, Costco and the entire, they have 40 people across Canada looking at all the tanks, they have too many tanks and we have to go every day. Whoa, time out, if we digitalize all that and we put a bigger tank in one area, we can now go to your place two times, maybe three maximum a week versus seven, we can give you by the minute exactly how much you have of propane every everything. So you don't need 40 people to account for that. And we, from a, a billing, from an information, from a fill rate, we just bring a new dimension that Costco will save a lot, <laughs> simplify their work, their process, and we gain from the relationships. When you add glue like that to customers, you end up uh, having uh, Cutting the decline, you always have customer loss. We've cut that in more than half. We lose half the customer. Everybody in the industry, we put more glue to the different touch points and service them with. Uh, you know, when you have those system in place on the residential, they're, they'll never run out of gas because we know how much they have propane in each tank. And they feel they can go to London and spend a month off in the winter and we'll take care of their tank. You don't even have to, to think about tank propane. And we'll do automatic billing or we'll give you a 12-month if you want an average billing, not one big time in the winter. So those are sales and marketing. Then we look at the pricing intelligence. Who is uh, What price can you charge if you don't lose the customer? And there's always, I've said it over the years, there's always tweaking of a penny or two and we have all that glue installed in the different segments. and you know you keep them. We know if we go over the top on pricing, they'll start to think of other supplier. So we kind of have an intelligent centralized pricing system in Canada U.S. that studies that regularly in every region to know what's the price, what's the market, what's the competitive landscape, and what can we price to not be hurt on the sales. So that's another intelligent system we've put in place. Operationally speaking, it's big, you know. I remember starting here where we 80% operating costs, we're around the 56% operating costs. And you know what? With the work we're doing now, there's two projects and works to digitalize our bid dispatching. We'll end up, I hope, uh, on our investor day, we could give you some number. I think we'll end up at the low 50s in the next three years. So you still gain three points on your total business that's a lot of money so once you install that in the state and you have an industry uh, the three big players that have not had the chance to develop grow and, and organize they, uh, they don't give cash to shareholder like the old income trust in canada and you're just stuck in the in the box, and then you have all the independent that don't have the scale, the size for the system, technology, digitalization, professional sales and marketing, pricing intelligence. We have some good regional player. Don't get me wrong. But as soon as we look at these, let's say the top three right now, and you apply our methodology and our superior way to their business, I can tell you in one there's 82 employees too many. <laughs> and then and then you look at sales oh there's margin opportunity you look at operation wow we can save on this and that be more efficient so and then you look at supply it doesn't show but are those e are small regional and all let's say mid-size 25 50 million they don't have our scale and our storage and our professional team in calgary and then california that can buy from the big supplier and have an edge there because of your size and then you store properly so when they uh, big weather happens, what happened in the last crisis with the weather uh, was, I you think know, it was five years ago, was just over the top. We serviced every customer. I remember a big, big industrial account that was at a dinner with the bankers, and he said to me, look, if you couldn't service me propane, I'm way up north, and it's, if I shut down that plant, it costs me like a million a week. And you guys could never, never miss it because we have the scale. We have this... The, the service of the supply, and we have the pricing to the service of supply, and we have intelligent people positioning. You know what do we buy, and then we offer customers. Do you want a one price for the, the winter coming? We're gonna make a few penny more, and we'll fix your price, and we edge it. Who offers all that stuff? That's our game. I could go on and on forever. So sorry, everyone, that's our game. We have we're operators. We execute. That's our game, and we'll keep going. It's not finished.
1: I appreciate the color. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. Our next question, a comment, comes from the line of Nelson Inge from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
8: Thanks, and congratulations on the uh, chemical sale. Um, Just a uh, quick question on chemicals. You you mentioned that obviously there is some upside. Uh, Do you have a – like, what's your – Uh, What's your view uh, in in terms of or or outlook for chemicals in uh, 2021? I know 2020 was obviously a very weak year, but I just want to get uh, a sense of uh, how likely you think it is to uh, get some incremental uh, payments from that price adjustment mechanism going forward.
3: So, I'll let uh, Bertil, if you want to call them, tell you how they're going to see the future unfolding. But one thing that we all know, and we all know on their call is basically speaking uh the To aliba's business is at the low low end, and when it comes back, Erco makes much more many ten million more so i and we're all i think a story will show and uh, it's gonna come back so our game of the three years only starts after they they sign the check and send us the money, let's say at end of march early in April. And when that starts, you look at 36 months, our sense that we will get some um, upside on that are, are not extraordinary to the rule, but they're positive. If you look at the history of the last few years, maybe I'll ask Beth to uh, cover that, because she's had the history in front of her, uh, I know. Yes, and Nelson,
4: I, I think the best way um, maybe to think about it is if you look back historically over the last 10 years, Um, The average is roughly 117. If you factor in, um, you know, 2020, which is lower, you're looking at an average of around 115. So just just to give you a sense of historically uh, the same numbers, how the company would have performed through the cycle.
8: Okay. Well, that that makes sense. Um, So do you think, like, do you have a sense of how long it would take to kind of get back to the 2018-2019 like, level? I know uh, that was probably more of a, of a peak year in 2018, but does that look like it's uh, on the horizon? So.
3: It's under our horizon. Uh, you'll be a better judge than me when and how, but it's coming.
4: Yeah, I I think, Nelson, maybe the way I'll try to answer that question, because all we can really do is look backwards versus trying to assume we know what will happen from a cyclical perspective going in the future. But typically, if you look back historically, the cycles have been sort of three-year pieces, sort of peak to trough, and then the three-year cycle occurred. The last cycle was a little longer on the positive side. I think it moved sort of into four years just Just as a sense of what historically
8: has happened from the cycle okay, and then just one other question for me uh, just a quick one on the the carbon tax, so in Canada it's been increasing for the last few years and it it will be increasing at least through twenty thirty i like I presume it's still early days, but are you seeing any uh, customers like reduce their demand due to the carbon tax and when the carbon tax becomes a bigger chunk of the bill like like what's your what's your expectation like are there other like are the other are, are customers switching to other alternatives okay um
4: i can uh, I'll, I'll jump in on that one and then Luke if there's anything that you want to add um we haven't at this point in time seen um volume reductions associated with the carbon tax. Um, you know, looking into the future at some point, um, perhaps that will have an impact as we don't view in the near term. Um, from a pricing perspective longer term, I think our expectation would be it'll become a cost uh, to serve the customers. Um, it may be choppy how that rolls in um, to margins and how that does roll through to customers. But longer term, it'll become part of the underlying cost base that we, you know, that we would look at and determine the pricing for cu- the customer base. I don't know if that answers your question to the degree you wanted it answered. If, if there's another piece that you want to ask about, feel free.
8: No, I think that, that's enough color. I, I'm just, okay. yeah, I think you've answered it in terms of you haven't seen any volume reductions yet due to, due specifically to the carbon tax.
3: No,
8: no, no. Okay,
1: thanks. I'll leave it there.
2: Okay.
1: Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Zach Warnock from the National Bank Finance. Your line is open.
9: Thanks, guys. Uh, Zach Warnock here on for Pat Kenny. Uh, I'd just like to dive into the 2021 guidance. Uh, So if you look at the 2021 EBITDA guidance representing about 10% growth year-over-year, excluding Qs, um, but assuming a full year's contribution in 2021 from Rhymes and your other tuck-in acquisitions. Um, that looks more like a growth rate year-over-year year in kind of the mid-single-digit range. So we're just curious if going forward, that mid-single-digit annual growth rate is how we should be you know, thinking about your run rate uh, EBITDA growth over, let's say, the next five years as you execute and integrate new acquisitions.
3: Uh, no, I think uh, I've alluded to that, that earlier question that you're going to have the industrial commercial market coming back. So you'll have more internal growth uh, that we've uh, lost with, say, with the uh, COVID. And when that comes back and you, you'll have a a good year and a half of good growth internal because of that big market coming back. Now, let's say in 2022 and on. And then from an acquisition uh, I don't know if your number was 10%. Uh, we're uh, we're going to more than double in the states in the next. If you look at five, and so I don't know. I don't know Beth. If you anything comes to your mind on how we could predict that,
4: yeah, I, I think at the highest level, you know, thinking about it from an eight to 10% range, but it'll it would obviously be choppy depending on how the acquisitions. Um, role in are, are in place, and the acquisitions occur, but I think eight to ten percent is, is a reasonable thought.
9: Okay, that's great. Um, and then just one more quick one for me. Um, moving on to kind of the U.S. tuck-in acquisition strategy and your earlier comments about you know continuing to want to target the west coast. Um, Looking at California, um, we're kind of seeing that the state might accelerate its push towards uh, 100% renewables by 2030. Um, How are you thinking about the tail risk for your existing business in the state, and how do these policies potentially impact your willingness to transact on new tuck-in opportunities in the future?
3: Yeah, so a couple of things. We've done some work to see how energy could unfold uh, in different regions, including California. And when you think of California, think the three big cities, you know, and then you come a, a mile east or two, and you end up being in valleys all the way through. So you have a, so you have a, a demand on propane on uh, because it's hard to do electricity and, you know, you have their share of electricity uh, problem in California, as you all know people look for alternatives and then natural gas pipeline not happening so you say okay uh, what else (laughs) there's nothing else so we're certainly looking down the future to say what are the more green propane that we could have in our mix and we will be the first one or we'll be certainly looking into that so hard to displace propane because some mobile natural gas that's in the tank and it really has that flexibility, and it fits in some area that you just cannot find something else to fit there. So, if you think 10, 15, 20 years, I cannot, you know, tell you that. But the, the next five, six, seven years, uh, we we just don't see it, and we see even continuous growth in uh, propane in many areas. Overall, not so much. Maybe in Midwest, not so much, and more co-ops. That's why we don't go there first. Even do we have a good business model, we would make money in the Midwest. We go where we're going to make quicker money, faster in those two regions. And we see longevity in, in those products in those regions. Awesome. Thanks for the color. I'll uh, jump back in the queue. Okay. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Our next question and comment comes from the line of Joel Jackson from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, Beth and Luke.
7: Morning. I'm hey, Joel. Could we could we look at the, the guidance again for 21, And 2020 was obviously a strange year. If we look at it from a 2019 to a 2021 perspective, it seems to be maybe a 20 million dollar EBITDA growth, maybe low to mid single digits. You're obviously not including including new tuckins in 21. But could you just tell me if that number is right? And then could you bridge the growth from 19 to 21? I'm talking standalone, of course, um, in terms of organic growth. Um, m a and then synergies
3: on that a yeah I don't think we've prepared anything with all those buckets so I'll address internal growth and that might have additional point the internal growth uh, is happening in commercial uh, well, we know our customer are taking less but the new customer and the growth is US and Canada, two to three percent residential we're doing good somebody asked me I'm glad the question I think it was Steve uh, Hansen uh, about what's our, what's our game? Uh, why do we succeed that much? We're growing residential quite a lot. Uh, I think it's 4% in Canada right now because of the digital and I guess nobody else is offering that. So we're, and we have that marketing that goes to consumer a different way and uh, touch point on the digital uh, residential customer, good growth. So we have a good internal growth, certainly more than the industry by a long shot. And we're, Acquisition, well, you know what we do every year, $288 of acquisition last year. So I don't know about the rest of the buckets. I'll leave it to Beth because I didn't prepare anything in that regard.
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think, um, and hopefully this is helpful, at the highest level, if you want to think about um, Canadian propane is is still being impacted in 2020, um, significantly by uh, the headwinds from COVID. So as a result of that, um, we have the growth that Luke's talking about uh, from an organic perspective, but offsetting that are the headwinds in commercial, industrial, and um, oil and gas. Um, In addition to that, in the Canadian propane distribution business, you also have the weaker market fundamentals, um, looking, turning back to that three-year average. So, if you want to think about that from a range perspective, you probably are facing pressure in the range of roughly 30 million. Now, offsetting that from a U.S. perspective, you have the growth from the acquisition um, over the, the past period of time, and so that growth overall, you're looking at you know a forecast growth somewhere between that 20 to 25. So, if you want to think about it, maybe in the range of 40 million dollar growth in the U.S. business. And it's really those offsets that uh, bring you to that uh, 390 midpoint um, from a guidance perspective, if you want
3: to think about it from 2020. Yeah, let me let me add, uh, Joe, to, to your question, because I think it's good for everyone on the phone. We're preparing an investor day after the airco business is uh, behind us. And when it comes to long-term EBITDA target, uh, capital allocation, M&A, Synergy, we'll make sure we prepare a ton of detail for all of you to, to have more, 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 uh, response to everything you can think about.
7: I think that's good. Luke. I think it'd be helpful to sh- to show the growth across the years in terms of what you bought yeah. organic and then synergies. So I, my second question is following up on something Nelson was asking about. So on the purchase price, uh, adjustment mechanism, um, I appreciate, Beth, you giving the average 10 years of $170 million and then you, you know, $115, whatever. dollars um, whatever. I imagine when you did this, you calculated an expected value. Like, did you go calculate an expected value regression analysis and get an internal view of how you think that business will fare over three years? And if you could share, is that expected value, is it zero? Is it positive for what you think you'll get, you know,
3: uh, a payment down the road? Well, I I won't answer that, but I'll say uh, for for sure we knew that we were getting rid of more debt because they have 112 million in ERCO of uh, USRF, uh, IFRS uh, 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 car lease, so we're getting rid of more and have more cash to grow. Uh, The purchase price, uh, including how we were reducing the debt and what we do with the proceeds from probably paying less interest and then acquiring business and having a 25% improvement. We all saw that as good, 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 and our board uh, approved that because they saw the, a bigger opportunity. But for us, we were somewhat optimistic that uh, three years, the market should come back to more normal, and it will. And we're not making prediction uh, on that to the market, and we don't intend to,
1: except... It looks good for us. Okay, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Matthew Weeks from IE Capital Markets. Your line is open.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, thanks for taking my uh, question. I was just uh, wondering about uh, the dividend. Uh, so, right now you pay a uh, monthly dividend. With increased seasonality, uh, in the business following the sale of specialty chemicals, would you consider
3: switching to a quarterly dividend? Oh nope. Never I thought of it, but Beth?
4: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think at this point in time, um, we would, I mean, we're looking at it and just to leave it in the structure in, that it is on a monthly basis. I mean, that being said, that's always something that could be, considered, um, certainly easier administratively, but monthly is how we've done it in the past. So at this point in time, that would be our intention, and I mean, the reality is that's a board decision um, in the timing of the pay At this point, I mean, we, we're not anticipating any change to the dividend policy.
6: Okay, thank you. That's everything for me. I'll turn it back. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I'm sure no additional questions in the queue at this time. I'd like to turn the conference over back to Mr. Darjeet for any closing remarks.
3: Okay. So, I just want to, uh, get to get rid of all my Q&A preparation notes and get you to the conclusion. So I want to thank you all, employees and management of Superior, for a great year and quarter. I'm certainly, very excited about what the future holds for Superior as a per-play energy distribution company. I think this is a big, big change for us and I've been looking at it for a long time. We've had a different business we sold over the years, now we're there. Look forward to providing a next strategic plan and superior way forward in our upcoming 2021 Investor Day. A lot of questions I'm sure that you all have. We'll uh, try to respond to all of that in our presentation uh, shortly. And we'll announce the detail of that event in the coming weeks. Uh, just want to take this moment also as a conclusion to thank the management and of Erco. They've been with Supers for a long time, more than me it's about ten, and they're probably in the twenty years or so. Uh, they've been a great enterprise, uh, more volatility, but good management They execute on everything so well. You saw another big project in Buckingham and it's all planned on cost. They they just do it the best way. And been around a ton of business from a management point of view. uh, I would put them way up there and I've seen a ton of different industry and they're they're class act, they're super uh, competent and I wish uh, Birch Hill uh, great, great success with them. They're getting a good company and a good team. And I want to thank all of the people at ERCO and the management for all those good years that they've been under superior. They're just great people, and I wish them all good luck. So, on that, uh, I'll move on to uh, the conclusion, and we're hoping to wish uh, wishing and hoping to see you all at the Investor Day in a few months. Thank you all.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating in today's conference. This concludes the program. You may now disconnect. Everyone, have a wonderful day.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today